Hey there, podcast. I've got a special treat for you today. Spencer Skipper. I don't really need to say anything else, right? Okay, welcome to the podcast, Spencer Thanks. Skipper. Thank you for having me. That's mm-hmm. a pleasure. That's a real pleasure. Um, like all podcast episodes, I like to kick things off by kind of situating where we're at physically when we have this conversation. So do you want to try to paint a picture for okay. the listener? So right now we are sitting in front of a surf shop that myself, Aka Lyman, Joy Vieira are owners of. Um, it's located about... I guess you could say a minute from Sandy Beach mm. in this little somewhat dilapidated, almost abandoned shopping center that no one really knows about. Keeps the rent really cheap, but the foot traffic is almost uh, pretty much non-existent. But um, anyway, we've been here for about four years, the shop. And unfortunately, we've decided to sh- close the door. So we're actually in the process of um, you know closing everything out and making way for uh, our online store. So we're basically, you know, trying to reduce the amount of inventory we have before we Mm. pack it up. But um, that's kind of, I guess, the gist of what's going on right now as far as the store. Yeah, we're just um, trying to, uh, we're going to restructure and hopefully take it online and go from there. And this is Identity Surf? Identity Surf, yes. Cool. has it been the the location as one of the factors or like what why what's the main reason for um going online like what what, what's the situation like here on the ground i guess is the question yeah well we actually started off pretty well we had a good response um and as a you know as a group the the partners were were more involved we had more time to put into it um so that actually that you know made it made a big difference in the business and the bottom line and stuff but uh late just in this last year um unfortunately we've uh had to turn away just due to like family responsibilities for some of the partners Mm. um and myself i i had changed careers again and i had actually i in april i started uh training for with the honolulu fire department i heard this i I was going to get to that question yeah so that was like seven and a half months of solid, like really? every day, like boot camp. Basically, it was like being in the military. So crazy. I was, you know, that was the one thing that I told told the partners was like, you know, I, I'm gonna feel like kind of a dick because I'm not gonna be able to be involved at all in the mm. store because it was like being back at school plus military style training, mm. and uh, yeah, I was exhausted. It was exhausting, and uh, I could, you know, I barely made it through that, and mm. the store was the last thing on my mind, unfortunately. Mm. And you know there was you know some other things that had kind of happened at the same time with with Aka and and Joy you know everyone had their their things that they had to like kind of deal with outside of the store so yeah. it really affected you know the performance so it was like it was kind of like we we got to stop the bleeding you know what I mean yeah like, sure it's like we had one you know bad year and that was basically enough you know we we. We'd uh, established the brand here because the, the rent's so cheap. So it was a low risk going into it. Mm. Um, if we decided to open up, say, at a, you know, down the street at, in like the Hawaii Kai Shopping Center, it would have just been like impossible to even yeah. start because yeah. the rents there are just crazy. So yeah. this was an opportunity for us to at least get a business going and, and uh, a brand. So, I mean, we have that. And mm. now it's just a matter of, you know, building the online platform a little a little more than it is now. I mean, we we have a little bit of an online store, but it's not what it should be. We don't have all our products on there and stuff, so. Hmm. But it was fun. How, yeah, how has it been, like, being a retailer? Like, you know, it's kind of like an interesting experience. Is it, was it your first time doing this, you know, as a, as a, as a retail enterprise? Yeah, um, it was really exciting going into it, you yeah. know, because you got all these new products and you're just hmm. like, kid in a candy store really it's yeah, like sure. i don't know if you remember the first time you went into a surf shop <laughs> yeah. like as a grom it's just like crazy ah look at all this stuff <laughs> and it's mine but yeah. uh yeah you know i mean it it became a chore you know i mean 
we all realized that it was going to take a lot of our time going into it, but I don't think we realized how much time that mm. was going to be, you know, and it's like from like the build out to, you know, constantly having the right amount of inventory mm. and making sure that, you know, you're everything. It's like there's so many like little moving parts in a small yeah. store like this. And yeah. it's, if you're if you if you're not on it, um, you know, you're going to fall behind and it's going to affect your sales. Mm. But I guess it was a you know it was a good learning experience um i don't know if i would open up another retail store in the near future no. <laughs> but uh it's good i guess it was just good to kind of do and i had the we had the idea for a little while you know of coming into this little shop just because there was you know a, lot, a good amount of body borders between you know this this area like makapu and sandy's it's yeah. kind of like you get almost well i don't want to say 80%, but close to like, I would say 50% of the yeah. island's body borders come to these two spots, you yeah. know what I mean, sure. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is the perfect in go in between, you know, if they need gear and, you know, we do, we do have a, a good dedicated following here. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys are really bummed that we're closing down because mm. um, we have, you know, we carry everything that you need, really. Um, mm. There's not too many shops like this around. Well, guys just come in and hang out too. Is that part of the attraction obviously you know you get to hang out with Akalam and Spencer Skipper and Joe Vieira that's not bad yeah I mean when we were around we definitely get guys coming in just to say hi you know yeah. which which is cool you know shoot the shit and mm. you know it was it was good for those old school kind of core bodyboarders that would yeah. kind of linger around and <laughs> and we did kind of cater to you know the more old school guys too I guess because uh we'd have like a lot of uh, bigger boards and stuff so yeah a lot of guys would come in for that and, you know, kind of reminisce, I guess. Mm. See some old boards on the wall and pictures and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> for you, um, in your professional career, I mean, going into the kind of real world of running a, a retail shop and I understand, you were you a lifeguard as well on the east side? Is that what you've been doing for the last few years before you switched to the fire? Yeah, so department? that's what's kind of led up to like actually the store i mean being on the beach is lifeguarding i started lifeguarding in like 2008 yeah okay just recently i switched over to the fire department but yeah spending a lot of time at you know sandy's and makapu and just kind of seeing what the kids are into yeah. like on the beach like what they're you know wearing and kind of you know accessories and boards it's and a good spot to do market analysis yeah basically from, right? just doing yeah. some research like sitting <laughs> in the tower and it's just like man, we could like do something here you know yeah. so and um yeah, so I was doing that for like nine and a half years, mm. lifeguarding. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of like, kind of the, I guess, one of the the avenues to bring customers into the store. Sure, sure. <laughs> totally. So it worked out, you know, I mean, at least for a little while. Um, Were you still actively, because I, I mean, I was so much out of the loop, but when did you kind of, pull back from doing a lot of the trips overseas and all that kind of thing like which when did that happen for you gosh I think it was around I think around 2010 2011 is when I stopped actually traveling to go you know do like say contests yeah, or, or, yeah. or marketing yeah well I was, I was fortunate enough to get to get sponsored by Manta in like around 2008 or 9 yeah and uh, they were like really supportive you know so I, they did fly me down to oz a, a few Sick. times um i did get to do the box contest yeah in 2010 i believe yeah and that was cool and then i think the last time they flew me down there was in 2011 to do some promo stuff mm. and pretty much ever since then i've been just kind of holding tight yeah. here in hawaii um <laughs> just working and focusing on like you know how to reinvent, reinvent, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it was just like a reality check after getting like basically free money, you know, being a pro yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, it's a weird life, you know. So I had a taste as well for a little while there. It's so, wacky. Yeah, it's like going from that to like saying, you know, saying I got to like sit down and work 40 hours somewhere was like, it was like a head scratcher for a while, you know. It was like, yeah. how am I going to do that? So lifeguarding was the next Next thing I, you know, started doing, yeah, so. Was that a good um, transitional kind of job in that you were still connected to the ocean 
Like, was that like a soft landing in yeah, a sense? Yeah, it definitely was. You know, I was able to kind of transition pretty slowly because I didn't go into it straight away full time. I was yeah. kind of still sponsored by Manta and mm. I was doing it part time. So yeah, I kind of was able to like not get sick of it yeah, <laughs> before yeah, I yeah. getting into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was actually, it's a great job. It was a great job. Um, learned a lot and yeah, it allowed me to like stay, you know, fit and still be like on the beach surfing more than I probably would have otherwise. Yeah, you know, right. Because of the breaks and stuff. I'm and always there. And, yeah. You know, there's days that I would go down to the beach and just drive right by if I, you know, would see what it like. But being in the tower, it's like, hey, I'm going on a break. I'm out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? so exactly. It actually helped my surfing in some ways. And yeah, sure. Was um, were you when you were lifeguarding? Were you on the east? coast mostly or were you all around the island mostly on the east side sandy's makapu yeah um, i did do some i worked on the north shore you know a, a bit here and there whenever yeah. they needed me but since i live out on this side mm. that drive is actually pretty brutal it is <laughs> just did it <laughs> just and, did uh, it i didn't want that to like you know ruin it for me like yeah doing sure. that drive every day would have just killed me probably yeah yeah especially yeah. if it was you know you know Sitting in the tower sometimes is, is can be brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. With your experience as a lifeguard, um, has the like have you? Do you think you've become better in the ocean as a result of it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in what ways would you say? I'm just more, you know, adapted to different situations and well, different types of tools hmm. to maximize, you know your not only enjoyment but like safety and just mm. everything really i mean just i was able to like kind of learn to do things that i never thought i would ever want to do you know like ride these massive like giant boards yeah rescue boards yeah, basically yeah, yeah. that just i would never ever think about when i was a pro bodyboard like you just wanted to stay away from those big <laughs> yeah, it's just totally. like <laughs> tanks basically yeah but yeah, I learned how to actually like control those in the water and uh, mm. they're actually really useful tools yeah, totally. <laughs> if you need them to be. So totally. just one aspect, you know, and then I was able to, uh, you know, learn from a lot of the old timers, you know, like the like jet ski operators and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, going on patrols with those guys, learning all the different like nooks and crannies on certain, you know, sides of the island. Yeah. And just like spots where people find themselves in and just yeah you know you you see like all these other places that you would never really have access to just because yeah. you're not really, really not really allowed to go to them like say uh, the jet ski opens up so much you know you're not even supposed to use a jet ski like in the areas that yeah there's distance you can have right yeah, yeah. so ocean safety you're like checking out all these little nooks and crannies and um on the jet ski that yeah it's you get, just get a better sense of like your environment, you know, and mm. it makes you way more comfortable when you know exactly the, you know, the geography of the area you're working in. So mm. like, yeah, it was, that was really awesome to be able to, uh, you know, have that kind of, I guess, relationship with the surroundings. Yeah. So it was like, I was really glad that I was able to do that and experience mm. that. And that's mm. what uh, lifeguarding was like. Awesome. That was really awesome. And would you say that, um, was the lifeguarding besides like if we don't call pro bodyboarding a job because you know it is kind of different to what most people call a job yeah. was the lifeguarding your first real job or, or had you had other real jobs before i that? mean i guess i worked some you know odd jobs before i became a professional bodyboarder just like laboring and yeah, stuff like sure. that okay well that, that counts i think and you know shitty really shitty jobs yeah fucking getting dirty and just cool. breaking your back and shit yeah, like yeah. stuff that makes you want to you know, strive for your, you know, dreams and goals yeah. and accomplish things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not. But this is when you're much younger, right? Yeah. This is like, you know, 18, 19. Yeah. Everybody so, should break their backs a little bit. I think bit so. Then. Yeah. I think it'll make you appreciate life, mm. you know, and what you have basically. You got to have, I think everyone should have a fucking really shitty job at some point. In their yeah. Life, just yeah, so totally. They can appreciate. Get some perspective. Yeah. Looking back on the career that you had, um, you know, do you feel like you maximized every moment of it? Um, probably not, you know. I mean, I was complacent a lot, I think. And, uh, you know, maybe my, 
maybe later later years or mid to later years as a professional I guess you could say like I, I just feel like that I could have maybe dedicated myself a bit more okay to like say maybe competition hmm. if you know I, I was kind of I was kind of in cruise control yeah um, I did get jaded probably yeah. a little bit um, I was lucky you know what I mean I came into the at least to the scene here at a, at a good time you know because there was yeah. still some money it was probably like at the tail end of like yeah. being able to get supported and actually not have to work an, a real job yeah for you know a while and um i thought that it would never really end you know yeah sure. and then when i saw how the industry when i really you know understood the business and how the industry was being run at least like the companies that i was riding for and yeah. i saw the writing on the wall it kind of got me a little discouraged in some ways and um it kind of like I lost motivation and yeah. it kind of, that's what probably led me to like, not really, I guess not saying not try, but just, I was going to do it a certain way and not really hmm. do or spend more than I had to really yeah, to put sure. it that way. Sure. So I kind of had to like think more about what was best for me and hmm. not really like think about what should I be doing to be you know a better i guess writer for the company that's sponsoring me at the, at this time because yeah. it was like there was moments where i would you know sit and wait for a check you know contractor obligations weren't you know fulfilled yeah. always with certain companies that i wrote for so it was like frustrating you know because sure. i like i would give i there was a point where i was giving like everything i had and dedicating my life to it and then mm. when i realized that like Fuck, there's these guys that own these companies don't really give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like... That makes it hard to stay motivated. It's like, fuck, man. If I go out there yeah. and kill myself, it's like, fucking fuck this guy, you know? Who cares? It's like, next or whatever. You know, that's kind of the yeah. attitude that I got from a few guys. I look at that, like, like, I think about that quite a bit in that, like... Because I got back into the competitions in the last few years and, you know, literally at places like Eterica in Chile and, and in Fronton, like... The chances of getting really badly injured are yeah. really, really high. Yeah. And it's almost like there's this expectation that we're going to tr to just throw ourselves over these ledges. Yeah. And often I think like, what? Why? Yeah. Like, what? For what are we doing this? Like, and yeah. who's benefiting really? Right. And it's quite an interesting um, thing. I think it's obviously in surfing as well. You know, these guys throwing themselves over waves and you know sponsors that kind of just brush them at if yeah. they feel like they need to brush them like yeah. it's kind of pretty brutal it is and i guess when i started i guess thinking about that more through mm -hmm. my career it's like that's where i kind of started being like i guess a little bit more um i guess you could say mindful in a way mm. of like where i went and how i where i spent my time and how i got my coverage I, that i needed you know yeah i was basically just kind of doing what i needed to do and not more yeah. than that yeah i guess you know and which is kind of crappy, you know, because when I started, it was just like gung ho, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, everyone's frothing in. I here. wanted that. I was just kind of hoping that would stay the same. But mm. um, what yeah. what do you see as the as the pinnacle of your professional career? Then, like, what's the moment where you where everything was just like awesome? There was none of the um, that creeping lack of motivation or whatever you want to call it wasn't there, and you were like. This is rad. I think it kind of all peaked when we started, uh, like the, those years we, we started No Friends yeah. to the years that we came together. There was a group of us that uh, started a brand called Elemental P Bodyboards. Yeah. And like those two, those two th things were like the driving force in, in my life at that time. It was just mm. like, you know, that's all I wanted to do was to do as well as I could to support those two brands. Yeah. And like, that was just like, this is what it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're, we're in the industry and we're kind of starting to forge out on our own and yeah. create our own stuff. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. That's where I think it needed to go at the time. And I was like, oh, everyone's going to like start doing their own stuff. And this is where the industry will, you know, start to become its own mm. thing, you know, mm. own identity and... Mm. 
it was the following was you know good we had good following and yeah you said like i mean no friends is a no-brainer really in terms of the following it was a phenomenon yeah like an element op though like i mean that was a really strong brand for many years right so yeah it seemed like everything was just starting to like ignite you know and mm. um that's when i think it was that was the pinnacle for me in my career as far as being stoked and yeah having like motivation to go and like fuck that's what are we doing next yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? it's like and then like certain things happen like just after that peak i guess and when you know like investors certain investors would get involved and like right. basically you know throw their wrench in the gears and yeah and you're like fuck seriously <laughs> So yeah, the business side of it was like what kind of would bring me down, you know, at the end. And yeah. That's something that I would never, I was, that wasn't even on my mind when I started, you know. Right. It was just like, here's a paycheck, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And that's. But so with you coming together on the, on the Element OP and, and no friends, of course, were you, were you all working on the, on the business though? Were you sharing responsibilities? There was, was a it... time. Well, Ross was mainly the guy that was running the business. And yeah. uh, there was a time when we had actually Element OP factory and a no friends office just off to the side. So yeah, both cool. businesses were actually in the same spot, really. Yeah. And that was awesome because I could go and like hang out and at least if I wasn't surfing or traveling, I would spend my time in California and be, that's where I'd be, you know, hanging yeah. out at the factory. Or I'd be like hanging out and checking out what Ross had for, you know, shipments that we had to like i'll just be packing boxes yeah and like getting involved delivering them to yeah that's basically my involvement with the company i was like shipping orders mm. when i was around ross was kind of more centrally like located he would stay in california a lot more wouldn't travel as much as we did but yeah we would at least try and do a, a trip a couple of times a month with everybody yeah um but um yeah i mean more so i was like a partner as far as ownership Mm. I wasn't really like in the day-to-day -day operations as much mm. so I felt my role was just kind of the guy to be going out there and like promoting getting you know as many people stoked as I could yep just like doing whatever I did as a writer you know yeah so that was awesome I loved it mm. was having the some ownership of the company's kind of the difference maker yeah like in was, terms of the stoke like you're like this is my baby yeah it was yeah. definitely that I, I actually passed up a lot of opportunities from other companies you know what i mean like yeah. that wanted to pay whatever it was it wasn't much but you know little clothing companies yeah i was just like no way man yeah like, we, already got, we got our stuff it's like we might do who knows what we're gonna do uh, possibilities were endless at that point it's like yeah. look we're gonna turn this into something big you know yeah that's how we were all thinking yeah <laughs> at least at the time yeah exactly it's kind of the like a in some of the interviews I've been doing lately, it seems like bodyboarders are kind of entrepreneurial. Almost all bodyboarders are entrepreneurial. I think you kind of have to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what, I, that <laughs> seems to be our, the conclusion. In our industry, it's yeah. like, you know how tough it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite interesting. So like, it's almost like the limited resources that bodyboarding has yeah. brings out the entrepreneur, even in people who may not have been entrepreneurs. I mean, it's um, it's super interesting to um, to recognize that. It's not something I thought about, yeah. but it seems really evident that bodyboarders just that there's something there that gets switched on and yeah. they have a go. They all have a go at one point. Yeah, I think bodyboarders are, they don't get a lot, so they're always hungry and they got to yeah. think of ways to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, so exactly. For sure, I definitely didn't see my ever you know, see myself as being or becoming a, a business owner, like out of high school. Yeah. It's like, that wasn't on my mind. I was like, so it's, yeah, interesting to see how life transforms. Mm. You know. Speaking of life transforming then, like, so you've just gone through this other transformation into um, getting into this um, fire department mm -hmm. and you've gone through this rigorous training um, like like you said it was like a boot camp it was like going back to school i mean how how hard was that i mean because did you do university or anything like that when you were younger or did you go straight from like kind of high school into the real world and just go bodyboarding yeah i was pretty much anti-school after high school I was, most of us were yeah. i was yeah it was high school was a drag for me you yeah. know i mean not all of it but most of it was it was just i felt like i was just wasting my time there mm. i could have been doing 
you know, better things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I was like not planning on going to college after high school. At least yeah. that's what I told my folks. You know, it was, a, it was all pro bodyboarding. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my dad gave me the whole spiel. It's like, well, I'll give you a year, you know, yeah. see what you can do. And cool. I was like, it was a cool, like, you know, deal. It's like, if you can't, you know, make it happen, then you're going to, you know, get a job. Yep. Rent's due. Yeah. the month. Or, you know, I'll pay for you to go to community college and yep. get your fire science, you know, degree and head, you know, do the firefighting thing. Because yeah, he okay. was like, kind of, he, he wanted me to see you go that direct, actually, wanted me to go that direction right out of high school. Oh, really? So that was the direction your father was pushing you in? Yeah, and That's I kind of like thought about it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but but no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't sound fun right yeah. now. So yeah, yeah, it's funny how that kind of took, you know, maybe like 20 or 30 years <laughs> to like... <laughs> Just to really sink transpire. its roots in there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that whole uh, training for the fire department, I mean, most of the guys that, you know, do that are, you know, almost half my age. Yeah, sure. Like going into it in your 40s is kind of like, that's late. Yep. It's not like it hasn't been done. There's been a bunch of guys that have done it, but hmm. I think f for me going in that late was like, you know, physically I had kind of got, I had a, a, a shoulder injury like in 2011 Okay. And um, it hadn't reared its ugly head up until that training again. Right, okay. So that was a, you know, it, it made it really tough for me to get through it. Was and it stressful I, for you too? Because obviously you'd made a call that yeah. this is the new career you're going down. And then did this flare up? It just basically got, um, yeah, it was unfortunate because it wasn't really that I was injured. It just kind of... <laughs> it became an injury, you know, based on uh, 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 the type of evolution that we were doing. And it was yeah. uh, more of a, I guess you could say, it didn't really need to happen. It mm. was like a training accident that shouldn't have happened, yes. I guess. Um, okay, I guess I'll keep it at that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, but on top of that, it was like all the other stuff, like we had to learn, like book stuff. There's yeah. like this whole EMT section that they piled on us. And it was like, usually that's like a two or three semester course Yeah. that they kind of compressed into like three and a half, four weeks. What does EMT stand for? Uh, emergency medical technician. Okay. And this doesn't sound easy. Well, it's just a lot of, um, it's just a lot of book work and yeah. you know, anatomy and yeah. physiology stuff that there's a lot of, you know, there's, you're learning how to the body functions, you know, and all yeah. the parts and pieces. And then you, on top of that, like, you know, the, you know, the diseases and the mm. medical conditions that cause people to have problems that they're having. Yeah. And it's all, it was a lot at once, you yeah. know, so it was stressful. It's the most stressful thing that I've ever experienced in my life sure. for sure. It was like, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I don't think I could do that again. <laughs> How did you get through it, though? Because, I mean, this is the same experience. A lot of older people, like, when I say older, mm -hmm. over 30 who go and retrain, it's, um, it's hard to put your head back in the books. Like, it's actually a huge stress. Yeah. So did you figure out any ways to kind of get through it? Like, or what are some of the, maybe if anyone's listening, what, what, how did you do it? We actually, there was a big, it was a big class, so we all got together. Because there was other guys in my situation as well that yeah. weren't like, we weren't, you know, geniuses, you know, in any way. But um, we would actually study together, and uh, we found, you know, helpful study guides yep. on the internet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's okay. tons of them. Cool. <laughs> so cool. that really helped. And uh, without those, I don't think I would have made it through because, like, we would be getting tested, you know, every couple of days on, yeah. like, you know, five to six chapters or whatever it was. Yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. was just, like, constantly you know, quizzes, tests, and you gotta keep your average above 80%. So it was like, what? Oh, so that's the rule, right? I was just wondering, how do you get kicked out during this? Because there must be an elimination on the way? Or yes, is it... so they would, um, if you failed more than two tests in any one section, yeah. you were done, basically. That's it. Yeah, and then there was also these other, you know, guidelines that you had to follow throughout the whole, um, time you were there yeah I mean if you forgot like you know we have these badges or these like p 
pass tags are called sure. that we have like yeah. we had tons of equipment that we had to be basically be responsible for the whole yeah. time so yeah. it was like if you if you didn't have you know if you didn't you couldn't account for that at any any moment during the day or a class then you'd get written up and if you got written up more than like i think it was three times yep you're done done yeah so okay i got close did you <laughs> i think i got like three or something oh whoa okay <laughs> yeah. so you're right on the edge i was on the edge wow but um it was like it wasn't like major stuff but like they kind of have to kind of keep you accountable because yeah totally you know forgetting you know a, a piece of equipment at a, at a scene yeah someone dies basically yeah you know, so it's full on it's it's got to so trying to, to drill it. that into you from the start like yeah they got to keep it real like that so mm. i mean these guys otherwise would be you know pretty cool dudes these training officers sure but at, in the training while we were in the training they were just like fucking hard asses you know like <laughs> yeah and what about the physical elements because i mean i've got to say for a guy in his 40s you're looking fit well i've tried to keep myself as you know healthy as possible yeah. through, with with lifeguarding and now this but yeah. um yeah it was it was definitely physically excruciating um we we would uh you know do a, a pt basically say for the firefighter section that we, when we were doing it we yeah. would be you know dressed up in full full gear our full turnout gear which yeah. is basically like being you know in snow gear almost yeah, yeah, yeah. with you know backpack on with you know a 20 pound oxygen tank on it Jeez. and we get our mask on and our helmet and gloves and then do a workout basically <laughs> so in hawaii yeah and like we had our class was during the summertime so oh, it God. was absolutely brutal like yeah. there was you know a few times where yeah i almost passed out sure um, sure a lot of it, you know, I basically pushed myself to the edge, you know, mm. on a few occasions, like, especially when my shoulder got injured after that, I was like, it made my mind, it was kind of actually cool in a way, because like, the, sh the injury made me stronger mentally. Yeah. So I was able to actually overcome a lot, because at that point, I thought, you know, there was a brief moment, that I thought, I'm not going to make it through this, but then I was like, no, fuck that. I came, like, it was, like, more than three quarters of the way, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. I got hurt. I was like, there's no way in hell that I'm going down yeah. now. It's like I've gone through too much. So yeah. it was it was kind of good, I guess. How hard is it to even get a start in the training? Is it actually, because I, I imagine, I mean, at least in the Australian context, it's a pretty good job to get. Like, it's really competitive to become a fireman in Australia. I know in New South Wales, at least, like, the, when they say there's some positions available, like thousands of people yeah. go for it and there's like 50 positions available and stuff like that. Is it just as um, in demand here? Like people want that job? Yeah, it's pretty similar. So yeah. I had taken the test for this this hire that, well, it was probably about three or four years ago now. So a written exam. Wow. Um, and usually they they usually have to they they ride those test scores for it kind of depends you know what i mean yeah. like i think um i kind of got lucky because normally you have to score really really high yeah on the written exam mm. and um if you're not in the 90s normally you don't even get a call yeah you know, so, sure. I mean? so like this with this class that they chose there was such a big uh um, exodus of you know old timers oh, a lot retirement. of retirement happened so there was okay. like over 100 or 150 guys that retired so wow they had to like kind of go further down the list to get okay. more guys you know yeah, it was like, sure. and i guess just because um maybe because the they're actually the the, the economy is doing was doing pretty well like a yeah. few years ago yeah um with the amount of building construction going on yeah. and stuff so there's a lot of you know high paying jobs yeah. labor you know laborers getting paid like 40 50 60 bucks an hour so yeah, wow. becoming a firefighter is like eh, nah, yeah i'll do this instead sure, so sure. it's like you're not getting as many guys yeah right which was good for me i guess but um so you know i get the call and show up to you know do the physical agility test and yeah there's like 20 guys that aren't even there that are supposed to be there so it's like right each step of the way guys weren't showing up that's so it's interesting like, huh so it depends, like, I mean, it is a, a, a job that's in high demand, but it kind of depends on where the on economy the is at the time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the first time I took the test, I guess there was like six or 7,000 applicants. Shit. And that was like, I've taken like two or three of the tests. Yeah, right. So it's like, if there's that many guys applying and there's like 
4,000 guys that are in the 90s, yeah, then they got a lot of guys that they can choose from yeah, there, exactly. you know, up there. Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, they're gonna actually need a lot more people because there's a there's a whole bunch of guys that are still retiring. So yeah, yeah, we had a pretty big class. It was like 50 of us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is large. But, so um, when when did you finish it? Uh, or are you you finished it now, right? And you're now working. Finished in early November. It started in April. We finished early November, and I, I'm out on in the station now. So yeah, right. I'm actually, what's that? Three months in, something like that. Okay. And yeah, I've just been moved to another station. So I'm on my second station. I'm actually it'll be my first day on Tuesday. Okay. To a new state, another new station. Okay. So they'll probably try and move us around at least two or three times before we're you know, our so-called probation is over. Yeah. So yeah, still learning a lot. There's a lot of stuff to, to know. Hmm. How did it feel to um, to realize you made it? I was, Sounds like it was intense getting there. So It was, yeah, it was a long, you know, road leading up to it. So like when I finally got the letter in the mail, I was kind of like, wow, no way. This is actually, I'd kind of like thought, oh, that's, you know, that ship sailed because yeah. of the, t I'd taken the test so long ago. Yeah that it wasn't really an option. So I was already like setting my, you know, career as a lifeguard and yeah. how I was gonna navigate in that. So actually it wasn't like, oh, I'm on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to actually think about it and talk to my wife and think, you know, is this, should I go this route? And then, you know, it does pay better, but at the same time it's, you know, you're you're, you're on 24 hour shifts or you're away from the house, you know? And yeah. It's like, I didn't really know how we were gonna be able to adjust to that. Yeah. And so I was like, I took, took me it wasn't an instant response yes you know i had to hmm. it took a few few days you know hmm. but with the training itself because obviously getting the letter was one thing going through the training and not getting kicked out along the way is the other thing yeah like after all of that was there a i can just imagine it being a, a pretty amazing feeling to get through oh yeah like when we finally knew that we were like there was no chance of us getting kicked out yeah <laughs> and we had made it it yeah. was like Oh, thank goodness! You know, it yeah. was like the the weight was off our shoulders, and mm. and it it definitely felt good. You know, um, it was definitely a huge sense of accomplishment. Yeah, and, and just that in itself was was enough. You know what I mean? Like getting through that was pretty huge. So mm. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, like I said earlier, I don't think I could really do that again. That was like yeah. doing a marathon, or I've never done a marathon. So I mean. But <laughs> well, Tamik is doing marathons. Yeah, that guy is now. crazy. He's got he's it like, covered for the rest of us. Freaking Ironman. He is. He is. He's a freak. Um, well, that's cool to figure out where things are today. Like, so what in in this new kind of working life? You, how often do you get to get into the water? Um, kind of now that you're not lifeguarding, you obviously had like lunch breaks and stuff like that. But do you get to get out there in a bodyboard as much? Like so much today, or, or is well, it kind of on the back seat? It's kind of depending how I'm feeling if I've had enough sleep sure. and how my shift went the night before and mm. um, yeah basically that's it and if, if the conditions line up with my days off sure. more and more than anything but I would say since April of last year to now is the least amount I've ever participated right. in ocean activities it right. was like really hard that was like that was the hardest thing for me when I was in yeah. the training is not being able to actually surf on my days off because like I had to study yeah and like I couldn't really risk being in the ocean getting injured or anything like sure, that sure. so it was like all these other things that I, I would never ever have to think about you know yeah. it's like I actually have to and when you're thinking about things like that you're actually your likelihood of getting injured it's it like increases goes a lot so much it's, it's, it's weird <laughs> it is. so it is now that I'm like on a schedule I have four days off like you know, after we do like a... That is how it works, right? Is it similar to ours then? Yeah. Four so days on, four days off. It's or? basically you do a, a th you do three shifts. Yeah. So, and in between each shift, you have a day off. And then okay. after the third one, you have four days. Okay. So... So you get, you get some good moments there. Yeah, we get moments. And, you know, hopefully you don't get too banged up on your three shifts. So you can yeah. actually enjoy the, the day in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those... Sometimes the in-between day is just like a recovery day if you have like sure. a, a crazy shift. So because 24, you're on for 24 hours. Yeah. So if shit happens in those 24 hours, you're on you're every on. piece of it. That's heavy. <laughs> yeah. That's heavy. So apparently, I'm going to a station that's really busy, and okay. uh, we'll see how it goes. 
<laughs> have you ever had to do a full 24 hour one yet? Not like being on scene for anything that long, like a yeah. you know brush fire or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but we've had, you know, morning calls. I've had a early morning fire call that, you know, kept us up, you know, for, you know, at least three or four hours through yeah. our, through our next, you know, basically getting overtime through the next part oh, of the ship. Oh, okay, okay. And that's, you know, you don't need to be on scene too long at a fire to, to get exhausted. I yeah, mean, you're sure. pumping stuff around and yeah. it's definitely hot and yeah. you're, in, you're in a pretty uh, extreme type of environment, I guess you could say. So Is the adrenaline pumping a lot too? Yeah, for me it is just because it's all new. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just hoping that I'm not, you know, getting in the way or, or doing anything stupid, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, the, this fire that we went to a few weeks ago was it was pretty rad though because like we got to make entry into the house that was kind of it was it was um it wasn't the actual house that was burning yeah per se it was actually the, the exposure yeah the house the initial fire was just the house was done already so we had to make entry on the exposure to make sure that you know it wouldn't get crazy yep so going into a to a house that's burning is is it's actually pretty wild yeah it's like you can't see much you know nah. it's you're just hoping that the thing doesn't collapse on you yeah 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 but uh it's it has you know certain sim similarities to like when you're you know in, in big surf and you're mm. kind of scared yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's it was kind of cool yeah, i liked it it. <laughs> it is i do find like one of the like this trip i've been on here this time you know i've, I've had a couple of days out pipe and i haven't really caught many ways because it's been so damn crowded it's been like crazy crowded out yeah. there but just being in the water amongst those kind of waves yeah like the adrenaline system just gets yeah. absolutely smashed and y you feel stronger after it like it's yeah. it's kind of crazy how how much stronger you can be after just having a good day of mm -hmm. being scared to death yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that, that was a it was good that was yeah. a good experience and like you said you know those those moments you take back and you learn from and like yeah it was yeah, I learned a lot from that little fire. It was on the, the big scheme of things, it was like a little fire that we yeah. actually fought in that house. Yeah. So it's, you know, for the potential to see crazy shit is, you know, it's a lot higher. Yeah, it's just begun, it's just <laughs> yeah. begun. Well, that's for the future. What I, I wanted to also touch a little bit on the past. Um, rewinding way, way back then, for those who may not have heard the origin story of Spencer Skipper, how did the bodyboarding kind of life for you begin? Like, you were on the Big Island, if I remember. Yeah. You're originally from there? Yeah. So I was born on Molokai. Um, oh, on Molokai? Yeah. Okay. And uh, well, that's a lived, small island, right? Yeah, we lived there till I was about like five or six, maybe. Okay, interesting. But my mom would take take me to the beach a lot. I you know, vividly remember those days. and. The first time I got on a bodyboard, I was probably like, you know, just a sawed off little shrimp. Like <laughs> my, I remember my mom would just push me on waves, you know, and I'd Sick. love that. Um, we moved to the big island and, you know, I was kind of just your average kid, I guess, you know, I liked hanging out and riding my bike and mm -hmm. I was into like playing gridiron. Oh yeah. Um, and when my brother kind of got into bodyboarding is kind of when that sparked my interest again. You know what I mean? Like older brother. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I remember when he brought back, brought home the first copy of bodyboarding magazine. Right. I think it was Pat Caldwell on the cover. Okay. okay. I think it was Pat pulling into a barrel and he's like, check this out. <laughs> and like, he was all into it. And then yeah. like, next thing I know, he's got like this Mach 7 with an orange bottom. Shit. So I was like, holy shit. Yeah, this looks cool. And he, you know, he, Posters all over. Yeah, everything, and like, and his folders. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow, this looks awesome. So, like, you know, he, watching him and his friends, it was like, shit, I wanted to do that, yeah, too. You know yeah. what I mean? Sure. So that's kind of what started it. And, like, it pretty much never turned back. You know what mm. I mean? It was like, that was kind of the golden era, I guess, like the mid-'80s, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, Ben Severson, Mike Stewart, all those guys in yeah. their floral freaking O'Neill and it. gotcha wetsuits. And yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was basically that's kind of what ignited, and then like him and his friends, you know, I I all looked looked up to all those guys. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, these guys are the freaking coolest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I want to do that. 
and that's kind of where it started, I guess. How long until you were kind of kicking your brother's ass at it? Like, because that Shit. inevitably happens. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not till I was maybe like, I don't know. He was still kind of, you know, shredding for a while. Like, yeah. Um, but he, I guess, you know, he he decided to like not pursue it for yeah. whatever reasons he had. But I don't know. Maybe when I was in my late teens, 16, 17, and it was like. You know, you're he, in the calm. He's kind of moved on, doing stuff. other things, and yeah. he was kind of doing it more as just a, a, a way to work out. You know, get sure. in the water and shoot the shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I was serious. I was like, shit, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you were, you were, were you quite competitive in the beginning? Like, was it a sport to you from the start, or was it a, or was it an expression? It was kind of, it was definitely an escape for me in the beginning. Like, and. I used that to like kind of fuel my, I guess, desire to like compete. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was. I was lucky enough that I lived like right down the road from a little spot that I, you know, I just ride my bike. So after school, I'd be like, oh, I'm there. You know what I mean? This is yeah. like I need to freedom. You know, yeah. I need to get out there and just yeah. like release. It's even though I wasn't thinking that at the time, that's what it was. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like fun. It was just like shit. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, really like doing contests. I, you know, the first few times I did them, I was just like, oh, this sucks. But um, mm. once I started kind of, you know, figuring out that um, if I wanted to actually be a professional bodyboarder, I, I pretty much would have to do them and, and, yeah. and probably do good at them. Mm. So I, I did, you know, in my later teen years, I, I, I did some amateur events and, I didn't like win everything, but I did win enough, and it was a platform basically for people to see me. You know? Yeah, it's like it was, you know, how it was before Instagram. It's like yeah. you had to be out there. If there was someone who had, you know, some sort of influence somewhere, it's like, oh, that guy rips and tells the other guy, yeah. and then you know how that yeah. goes. It's like word of mouth. So, so how did that word of mouth work for you? It worked out pretty well. You know, I mean, I think my timing with it was was good um i was able to you know i guess at least be seen in front of i guess people that could recognize maybe like a good bodyboarder at the mm. time so um it was funny i was just thinking about this the other day that i remember while i was out at I was just thinking how things are so different with like Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, how, like everyone so, you can self promote. Yeah. Um, I was just remembering like how I got sponsored by Reef. And it yeah. was like, I was surfing pipe one day, and this is like, I just got sponsored by Mori Bodyboards just prior to that. And I got a couple of good ways at pipe, and then we're showering or you know talking stories and then all of a sudden this guy from reef is right there and he's like hey i've heard about you and all this stuff yeah, and right. like oh cool you want to ride for reef and like and at that's the how showers it started. And yeah and it's at the like, showers. basically it's like that's kind of how it started <laughs> yeah you know yeah, I mean? yeah. And it's just like that would never happen and i don't think anymore yeah. you know what i mean maybe i mean you'd have to basically have your platform already established on yeah. instagram and yeah. then doing your thing You'd filming. be judged on the Instagram performance first, probably. Yeah. So it was like, it's so crazy how it's kind of changed. And at least like how, at least in my mind, how I thought I needed to like, I guess, get myself out there. It's yeah. Like, you just had to go and be at the place where you needed to be, which was Pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> or the yeah. North Shore. Yeah. And just like be in front of people. Yeah. Basically do, do what you got to do. But now you can do it anywhere, you, as long as you got someone filming you. Exactly, and it's really interesting because I was reflecting on that question a couple of days ago at Pipe because like, I was out there in the morning, it was solid, and there were nearly no bodyboarders out there. Yeah. And you know, back in the early 2000s when I was coming here on my first trips, I was coming here pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook. I was coming here to hopefully get that one wave that got me that riptide shot and you know got me that bit in a video and I'd be able to keep my sponsors happy and yeah. you know that was the real motivation and you know I hated that yeah because I was kind of like <laughs> you know because it brings out it kind of brought out the worst in me as well like to have to fight for right. a photo on yeah, the beach yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and pipelines a special place and it's yeah. a dangerous place and yeah it's it was, but then I, I was looking at this and I was like yeah like 
these bodyboarders aren't here because they don't need to be here anymore. Yeah. But it's really interesting out of pipe, you know, pipe, it's not good that there's no bodyboarders out of pipe either. Like, yeah. It's kind of, we're really missing out there. Yeah, like, for it's sure. It's kind of crazy. It is. I mean, yeah. Hub's, hubs, you know, Hub's getting what Hub gets and he's kind of the main, and then when Mike's yeah. in town, obviously, when Mike's out there, he's obviously holding the fort. But yeah, no, there's a few other local guys I, I noticed out there, but yeah, there was a lot of kind of, not even local surfers either. Yeah. Like it was just kind of like just surfers in general. Like it was kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and that whole thing about, yeah, fighting for waves is like that definitely, I hated doing that too after a yeah. while. I was just like, I just, it was, it was hard to motivate, you know, yeah. to get out there and do that all the time. So I don't blame the guys for not like, this Instagram generation for like, they can just go and do what they've got to do. Yeah. Like some, that's awesome. Yeah, really. it is. It's it like, is. Fuck, go wherever you want, you know? Yeah. You don't need to like, go where everyone is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. is like, kind of more fun to like, do it that, that way, you know? Yeah. Just go and hang out and, and surf yeah. uncrowded waves. But it kind of definitely shows the state, I guess, of the industry, at least in America. When yeah. you see how many, at least as a sport. Yeah professional bodyboarding if you don't see you know guys out the pipeline and like during the wintertime bodyboarding like yeah. professionals then it's kind of like well what's going on you know yeah <laughs> like it's kind of wacky like it was um yeah really interesting to see it because yeah a part of me had kind of when i first started coming back to hawaii i was like oh this is pretty sick no one's here yeah you know and yeah. then the other morning i was out there and maybe it's because the Volcom comp's about to start. So there's a yeah. lot of guys in town who are all WQS. Yeah. It's a big WQS comp. They all want to get their time out there. Yeah. But I was kind of like, ah, oh, shit, this kind of sucks. You know, yeah, like yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really feeling like a minority out here, like, <laughs> you know, in a real, you know, literal sense. So yeah, it's kind of funny because it used to go like, I don't know, there seems like there's so many contests through the, through the whole season now at yeah. Pipe that it's like, it used to be like, maybe, I don't know, it seemed like there was only like maybe two or three contests and it would be like it'd be like the surfers would have theirs and then it would be like at some point the bodyboarders would have theirs exactly. and it'd be like then you'd see all these bodyboarders out of pipe and like yeah. no surfers exactly like, exactly that doesn't i don't think you see that anymore <laughs> i don't think so either but I, I think you know an encouraging point on that is that it looks like i think the news was that they got the permits for the next few years to actually have a decent comp back out pipe which is yeah i think it's quite important and it's um I mean, it's so frustrating to be out there when you can't get waves yeah. and, and it's perfect, you know, like yeah. it's one of the most frustrating things you can do to yourself. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's my, if, if I do get to enter the contest, that's going to be my whole motivation is just being out get there with waves. three other guys. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like... I'd pay double for that, you know. <laughs> I've, I've said this to guys too. I, I reckon they charge for a place like Pipeline to sit out there with three other yeah. people. Man, I'd, I'd pay a lot of money for that. I just hope I can get an invite or an entry or something well, it's, in there. Hopefully and Mark Stewart's listening. Yeah. We'll get him to... That's going to be like my surf trip. Yeah, good. <laughs> surf trip to the North Shore. <laughs> Do you get up there at all, like, in the last few years? Obviously, this last bit when you've been training for the fire department, you haven't been able to surf so much, but have you been able to get up there for a few sessions in between things? Um, I'd say since maybe 2000. Fourteen, it, it was kind of hard with just my schedule when I was lifeguarding. It yeah. was like, you know, you'd have to get back to the the other side of the island, right? Into, like, in t to to start your job. Pretty much. Yeah. And take care. And um, just being, you know, not having the time, you know, because it's yeah. like I would have my couple days off a week, and you know. Not a lot, not a, most of the time, it was weird because like there was a, a few winters where it seemed like the waves were just, weren't just, weren't good at all up there. Yeah. And my days off, it would just be like terrible and I, would, I wouldn't really, you know, have time for it. Yeah. So, you know, I would have to basically wait for the contest, you know, yeah. and like surf in the contest is basically yeah. when I would get my waves. Yeah, and that sure. was it. And that was pretty much it. Like I would maybe surf three or four times at the most yeah per season like yeah. in the last i don't know since yeah 2014 2013 something like that but this last year yeah i think i served pipe maybe like once or twice this last this season yeah and i actually got to see surf it with lanson oh sick awesome. and jeff and oh wow 
There's a couple <laughs> other old timers out there. I was like, that's oh, great. Cool, man. I got to like, and I saw Coxie out there too. That yeah, was right. Classic. Yeah. It was just like, well, man. there's a lot of people getting back into it. I mean, you're obviously you know about this vintage bodyboarding revival that's happened online, and um, I mean that's a. I think it's freaking awesome that it's happened, and um, I think that's a really positive sign for the sport. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we're getting generations of bodyboarders now, you know, like yep. we're not just like seem to be kind of one generation right. all the time for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, maybe Mike managed to look young enough to, to stay there or something like that. But <laughs> I mean, have you um, in coming from a maybe to kind of wrap this podcast up a little bit, like coming with all of your experience, both as, on the professional side of the sport then on the retail side of the sport, and then also in the kind of, you could say the wholesale side of the sport, you've kind of covered every base in it, almost. You haven't run a magazine though, that's yeah, something that you probably haven't done. crazy. But like, you've covered a lot of ground. What, when you look at it, um, with the future of what we've got here, like how do you see bodyboarding moving into the future? Gosh, you know. Or what should it do? Is maybe, what's your opinion on that? Sorry, that's all right. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of hard to like, at least from my experiences, see like if it's gonna be whatever it was when I was, you know, starting off. As mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like say for the kid now who's wants to be a professional bodyboarder like how is he going to be able to do that mm. um there's definitely nothing out there that's going to support that right now mm. um so the only way that i could see that happening is if someone with a lot of time patience knowledge experience money <laughs> yeah, that bit <laughs> um wants to create say like a i don't know a brand that specifically caters to or supports at least supports bodyboarders in a way that can make that happen but at the same time it's like we don't have the platforms that we used to have say you know like magazines yeah are gone um I don't know what's happening with the tour right now. It's 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 struggling along. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it just seems like there's all these like pieces that are like kind of not in place, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, I I just don't know how we're going to ever see it, see it become a career. Mm. I, at least it, it I guess it has to be um there has to be a way to make a bodyboard have better margins. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, you know right. I mean? Bodyboards don't have good margins, so it's going to be hard to support right, know, a professional career. That's okay. basically what it comes down to. And, it, and it's, that's all that's really fueling our industry right now is hard goods sales. Yeah. Fins and boards, and maybe some wetsuits. Yeah. Um, and that's it really, you know what I mean? It's like, it's gonna be, it's like a passion. You do it for the love. Mm. Um, and if you can figure out a way to, you know, I guess be a billboard for a company that wants to like hook you up, mm. then that's great. I mean, mm. but as far as bodyboard companies, taking care of bodyboarders and being able to pay them to like, do nothing else. Mm. I don't know how that's going to happen. Really. Yeah. Um, if the tour is in a state where they can get lots of prize money for the riders, yeah, and they can get themselves there, I guess that's a way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but uh, no, it's good to hear. You <laughs> thought the, 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 uh, that 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 answer with the margins is a really interesting one, though. I think um, people miss that one a lot. That's yes. like that's not something I've considered in a long time. Is that idea that bodyboards don't make enough money from and their own sale. I guess that's what I didn't realize in the beginning as well. <laughs> so when I figured that out, I was like, oh, darn oh, shit. it. <laughs> Basically, if the surf industry was kind, <laughs> yeah. they could, you know, 
they could have this. A bodyboard is not, because I mean, if there's enough, like, there's a, like, there's still, bodyboards get sold, right? Yes. There's still a lot of them being sold. That means there's bodyboarders who buy bodyboards. Why, are bodyboarders not loyal enough to the clothing brands? Is that what the missing link is as well? Because no friends, when, when you guys were doing that, you had some clothing and, I mean, I know that every bodyboarder wanted to wear that. For, for a period there, there was nothing else anyone wanted to wear. Yeah. Is, um, is that one of the missing links? Like, that we don't have those? Probably soft goods, which yeah. are clothes, clothing, soft goods, is, is definitely the missing link. But at the same time, it's like, you know, bodyboarding is such, like, a unique, like, individual, like, I guess, niche thing. Yeah. Even if everyone was buying, like, every one of those people was yeah. buying clothes, clothing it it's was, not enough it's still probably not enough i mean if you look at these you know like surf brands for mm. example it's like they're selling not only the surfers it's like they're yeah. selling to everybody so yeah they're beyond i don't know how a bodyboard company could s i mean you wouldn't ha you'd have to be like just a company yeah <laughs> you know what i mean not a body i i think if you like say that you're just bodyboarding then you're just already limiting yourself yeah. to those sales. And yeah. those sales are like even more limited because not every bodyboarder is going to want to buy yeah. your brand. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, if your stuff's good, maybe, but mm. everyone has their opinion of what mm. you know style is or what's what's good. So mm. it's tough, you know? <laughs> sure, it's like, sure. I mean, so. I know there's been a lot of uh, people that have come in, and you've seen it, like mm. throwing a bunch of money into the sport. Yeah, they come and go. Mm. Three or four years later, they're gone, yeah. and it's like they're pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, fuck, I didn't, you know what I mean? It, it's like bodyboarding definitely, like there's a lot of people that will watch it and, and see it and know it, mm. but it doesn't necessarily turn into like sales. You know what mm. I'm saying? It's yeah. like, so that's kind of like where it's at. Yeah. So it's like people will like tune in to watch, say, a bunch of bodyboarders kill themselves at Shark Island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or say they'll do that. Even Piper, you know, Chopo. Yeah. But it's not gonna really translate into sales. So mm. that's basically what, where it's at, and mm. do it for the love, basically. Yeah. Well, then to to finish off definitively, you know. Um, What's your, I mean, I should say it, you're, you're, you're expecting a child soon. Yeah. That's an interesting step in life. Um, Very. How does, um, what does the future look like, you know, for you moving forward and like, you know, wh where, does the, where does the passion rest for, for bodyboarding into the future as well, in amongst all these other things you're doing? Definitely, it's gonna always be a part of my life to, to some degree. You know, it's like, it's gone back to what it started as for me. It's just basically, when I get in the water, it's fun mm. and it's a release. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as it can be that for me, yeah, I'm all good with it. You know what I mean? That's that's the the best thing about it right now. Mm. And um, as long as I can, hopefully, share that with my daughter that's coming one mm. day that's going to be awesome so yeah. it's like i can't wait to do that sick um so like what i'm thinking about now for the future is just hopefully staying as healthy as i can mm. <laughs> and uh being able to get in the water when i can um be involved with the sport in any capacity that i can mm. um and just being able to have fun and enjoy it you know basically yeah. when it comes down to it sick and that's it you know Get a, get a barrel and have a smile is, is all we really, really want at the end of the day. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon that's about the best way we could finish this podcast. <laughs> so thanks for your time. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. And uh, I'm sure everyone listening really appreciated hearing from you. And, uh, you know, good luck with the, the next steps. Well, he needed no introduction. And uh, he certainly delivered in a, in a quite a far-reaching uh podcast interview there which was recorded back uh, earlier this year in Hawaii um, started off on a pretty low note with uh, the you know closing down the physical store for identity but um, I wish uh, Skip and the crew all the best with the uh, online store and I'm sure it'll be a, a killer aspect of bodyboarding on Oahu and internationally moving forward 
Um, that podcast episode was, you know, for me such a such a pleasure. You know, I was, I was a bit starstruck. You know, Skip was one of the guys that I certainly looked up to uh, as a grom when I was uh, trying to learn the learn the trade. And uh, you know, he um, he really opened up about so many things throughout his career, his life, what's happening now, no friends. You know. Wow. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, Huge thank you to Spencer Skipper for taking the time to sit down. Um, Really, really appreciate it. And um, hey, uh, I'm sure everyone listening is with me in saying we look forward to seeing a bit of Skip in the water whenever he can. Thanks, everyone. And uh, I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.